Hawks. This is the big dudes in the trenches. Over here is Bug, and down there is Little Tiny Tug. <laughs> What's going on, folks? Someone <laughs> had a great day. That's all I know is, dude, you haven't been this happy in a long time. I'm just, you know, finally have something to do and I get paid for it, so it's nice. Hey, there you go. <laughs> and also the drive to work isn't as bad. Hey. hey. Also, I used to work from home, so think about that one. Hey. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, we have a whole slate of XFL nonsensicals to be discussing, and some sensicals thrown in there too, for reasons. Uh, four whole games happened. Two of them went to overtime. First time in XFL history, we've had overtime games. I think and you can even take it all two, the way back to two thousand. The XFL 2000, I don't think they even had an overtime Pretty game. Sure. Jesus. Yeah. Pretty sure. And uh, two teams also clinched the playoffs for the first time in XFL history. <laughs> so. <laughs> second time, second time. They did have a playoffs first time around. With a chance for the last two Literally. to clinch this weekend. I, there is a chance. Uh, I don't have much faith in one of them but we'll get there so <laughs> it's, it's going to be very very interesting i know that much but what do you say let's go ahead and get things rolling uh, let's jump right on in man unless you want to read the links first Doug. i know you love doing that so no much. we'll save that for the it's, end it's, it's a favorite thing <laughs> reading the links off all right, well, we'll start off with the first game of the weekend. The St. Louis Battlehawks hosted the Vegas Vipers in the first ever XFL overtime thriller. Whew. This, uh, <laughs> this was a game. So I didn't know this until the game started. It, it was a game. Um, but A.J. McCarron, McCarron had gotten hurt last week. Mm -hmm. He took a couple pretty big shots. And uh, the teams are all based in Dallas, Arlington, Fort Worth area. He took and too many shots, and he can't hold his liquor. <laughs> he didn't even make the trip up to St. Louis. So right away, I'm like, man, this is well, this is not looking good for the Battle Hawks. Instead, uh, Tianu comes in, does an okay job, but man, this was this was rough. Nick Tianu. I give him credit for going out there and being confident and getting the guys behind him. I mean, the team played well outside of him in some situations. And it was kind of a theme of the whole weekend. It seemed like possessing the ball for anybody was tough this week. And Nick Tianu, he had some really gutsy plays. He had some really uh, – he was really tough in a few positions. But, man, you need more from your quarterback in an important game like this. Vegas very nearly played spoiler for the Battle Hawks this weekend. Like all I'm saying is I I missed the NFL's injury reporting, um, because yeah I was completely shocked when it said hey Adrian McCarron went down with a shoulder injury like he's not playing today and I was like well I just made a bet on them and put them in my parlay for uh, for our XFL Pick'em League and if I had known that that might have changed that pick but you know here we are I'm, we don't get the injury reports like I'm used to. Well, Emma Karen took he took it wasn't so much of an injury as more of a hey you're pretty banged up after last week we think we got this without you 
<laughs> they did. It just took the first ever overtime to do it. Which overtime rules are freaking unusual in the XFL. So they trade two point conversions in like, you know, they do rounds at a time. So each team gets three attempts and it just keeps going. That's like one round is three attempts each, but you can end it early like the St. Louis Battlehawks did by stopping Vegas twice and scoring on their first two tries. Like, it's really hard to understand unless you're, like, paying it's, attention actively. It's kind of a mix <laughs> of a shootout in hockey or soccer. Yeah. And uh, and the new college rules after, what, the third overtime? Yeah, I think so. Uh, it, it's it's actually a lot of fun, but here's where, uh, here's where this all kind of went sideways for Vegas. You know, when you when you need a critical first down, you know, it's it's third and four. How far do you want your receiver to run? Four yard out, pass. five yard out. Pass the first four, down marker. Pass yeah, the six. <laughs> uh, so Vegas doesn't do that on their yeah. first attempt. Uh, <laughs> he sorry, he runs short of the goal line. Yep. Good. And... Trying to get in. I'll tell you this much, though. Martavis Bryant, I thought he got in. The fact that they were still said he didn't get in blows my mind. I thought so, too, at first. Watching the replay, I understood why they called it in, you know, no good. I think that was a little bit of, we can't tell for 100% certain. We'll just stick with the call on the field. Call, call on the field. Yeah. And this happened a couple times over the weekend, too, where... The call on the field is what they ended up having to go with. Yep. And it was one of those things. It wasn't even like, a, well, we're going to have to call it, you know, play stands. There was one later, I believe, in the uh, in the D.C. Seattle game. Josh Gordon makes a catch on the side. And he's like, I see pellets coming up. You only need one foot. So I, I don't want to confirm it because I'm not 100% sure, but we'll say it stands. And I wonder – I'm getting way ahead of myself here. That was the last game of the weekend. But I wonder if that had been called incomplete on the field, if they would have overturned it. Because that one I think they should have. This one, man, I, I do not envy that position at all. Yeah. Yeah, it's tough. It's, it's and tough. When, when it's a game of inches, when it comes down to those inches, sometimes it's really hard to see because yeah. everybody's piled up on those inches. So yep. that so, sounded – Sauce. We're we're just gonna roll. We're just gonna roll. So everybody on, on my inches. On the ensuing play, you know, St. Louis's turn, they simple pass, score on it. So, you know, yep. quick, easy, nothing to it. They're up they're up uh two points at this point. Which that's the other weird thing. They do it in three rounds initially, but it still counts as two points. Like it's right. It's so weird. Anyway, so then Vegas gets their next turn. Offensive pass interference in the end zone. 100% agree with the call. This this was egregious. This wasn't as bad as the the no call in the uh in the Saints Vikings game a couple of years ago. But this was pretty obvious. This one needed a flag. This was not the refs taking control of the game thing. To make matters worse on themselves though, Vegas then gets an unsportsmanlike call on the bench, meaning that the next attempt is going to be from the two and a half yard line versus the five yard line. And Brian Hill, who fumbled earlier and nearly cost St. Louis the game because it was a scoop and score. He gets the ball. He runs it in. Redemption for the local kid. It was it was awesome to see. And 
Vegas would lose this one. They're already eliminated from the playoffs. They lose this one 21 to 17, but they did not allow the Battle Hawks to cover the spread of five and a half. And the over under the under hits at 44 and a half. I got to say, too, the fact that Tianu only threw two interceptions is mind blowing to me because he was throwing behind receivers all day. Oh, yeah. Throwing playing poorly. <laughs> Just a big, mildly. A big reason that St. Louis was in this game was a 64-yard touchdown pass on a fake punt from Sterling Hoffrichter. Now, I don't want to take anything away from Gary Jennings. He did a lot of work. He broke three of at least one tackle, maybe two. Sterling Hoffrichter looked looked better passing the ball than Tiana did (laughs) all day, and he only threw once. I mean, it was – Jesus. In fairness – 64 yards and a touchdown. In fairness – Gary Jennings was so wide open, I think my son could have made the throw, and he's four. So, like, let's not let's not give him a ton of credit. He's still a kicker. He's still not really a person. But Or your one-year-old son could have made that throw. My one-year-old son probably could have made that throw, too. It was – that was a gimme if there was ever a gimme. Let's move on to our players of the week, though. We tried something a little bit different. They're a little grainy. Uh, I've got a couple ideas to make this – make these pictures a little bit better, but we figured we're done. We're done doing the LSU picks. We're done with the yeah. the NFL picks. This is this is the route we need to go. Offensively, you see it right here. Jalen McClendon, player of the game, 13 for 23, 159, 6.9 average. Nice. nice. One touchdown, <laughs> 13 carries for 62 yards, and two fumbles with losing one of them. The fact that we, <laughs> we have a guy who had just a pretty – moderate game, mediocre game even, as our player, offensive player of the game just shows you how much both of these offenses struggled. And I don't even think that 100% of it was the defense. I mean, hold down on. by those two fumbles for sure. But also I had to include that average on passing because that solidified it for me. Very nice <laughs> but, day. And, and I'm going to say this too. Like he had an average, like a moderate day as a running back. You look at those receiving right. stats, that's his passing stats. Oh, yeah, his passing stats. It's amazing. Sorry, I'm... yeah, <laughs> we're good. Yep, I'm back. The quarterback, y'all. <laughs> and then on the defensive side of the ball, Doug, I'll let you take it away here. Yeah, number 56 there, Travis Feeney. Uh, this was the best picture I could find of like his face. <laughs> I'm sorry. It just doesn't exist. Dude is a ghost, except when he's on the field, when he's all over the fucking place. Eight total tackles, including a sack, two tackles for loss, and he forced a dang fumble. The dude was a menace all the way back in that backfield, lighting dudes up all game long. I kept watching, like going back and forth. Had to look away from this game at some points, uh, doing some car work this weekend. But uh, every time I looked up, it felt like I was watching either Travis Feeney or Carson Wells, who we've called out in previous weeks, both Carson Wells making plays. Carson Wells was getting a ton of love from the announcers as well. You know, he's the fourth – he has the fourth fastest clock time running around on the field. Of anybody in the entire XFL, he's fastest linebacker by far. Two of the other top four players are also on the Battle Hawks. I mean, it's just – Speed kills. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's absolutely absolutely insane. A great day for the Battle Hawks overall. It, this day put them in position to clinch next week with a win over Seattle. So they they put themselves in the driver's seat to get into the postseason, which is 
what you want to do this time of year. Mm-hmm. So, with that, though, with it, though, it's time to move on to our next game. We yeah. had some wanted men, some renegades that had it made, playing against the Orlando Guardians. This was a big the, game the for playoff position. Can no longer Guardians. The oh, used to could Guardians, but can no longer Guardians. <laughs> Forgot how to Guardians. That's... <laughs> This was a bad game for Orlando, man. This was a bad game for both teams. And I'll tell you, this this game was worse for nobody more than Quentin Normandy. So I legit, I think I told you that I didn't get to see this game. I did watch a little bit of it, like enough to have seen two Quentin Normandy fumbles. And that was all that I saw, like those two plays. And I just looked over and saw two fumbles happen as I happened to look over. That was two of his what five turnovers six turnovers yeah Yeah. well i will say i'll put an asterisk on one of his turnovers because it was an interception and the deep and the wide receiver stripped the defender as he was going to the ground i mean it was it was all taking place on the sideline uh dean blandino came over the mic immediately said nope he had both feet in he only needed one it is it is a strip orlando is going to get lose possession and gain possession back on this one play Love that. I love it that. Was, it was it awesome. Was, it was brutal to watch, though, if you're, like, rooting for the Guardians, which I kind of was because I hoped they would turn things around just for the storyline. At least, yeah, this was bad. They, <laughs> they, could, are, they could not get out of second gear in this game, it felt like. They are they, very hit and miss, Steve. Fuck that. They couldn't get themselves out of reverse. Here's yeah. Here's what really didn't make sense for me. In the fourth quarter, they finally score a touchdown. They've been fighting for this all day long. They finally find Pater, and instead of going, they're down three. You know, instead of going for three, they go for one. Like, if you miss it, you're still down. If you go for one, make it or miss it, you're down. So, it's just, it does not, it it did not make any sense to me whatsoever. For me, that's a, that's a no-brainer, because if you miss it, you're still in field goal range. Like, field goal ties it, right? Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Like, points whereas if you range. get it, you tie it. You get the one point, all it does for you is you're still down. Now the field goal wins the game. You get which one is point s- and you lose by two points. Yeah. So. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah I hate pl- coaching like that. I hate play calling like that. And I, I think he was just kind of overthinking himself. There are, What was really crazy to me, too, is – in my opinion, neither team deserved to win this game. The Renegades just got more points. They had over 100 penalty yards that they gave up. Like, this is the God stuff that damn. Orlando was doing early in the year that made them, that put them in the position they're in now. The The problem was Orlando couldn't hold on to the fucking ball. You know what I say, though? If you want to win a game, it's usually best to score more points than the other team. Yeah, <laughs> and Arlington story. was able to figure that out. So, <laughs> congratulations. This was, and you wanted to give offensive player of the game to Luis Perez just by default, basically, because nobody had a great game. Uh, I disagree. There was a receiver for the Guardians who kind of broke away from everybody. Ten catches, 135 yards, and a touchdown for Eli Rogers. This was a majority of the film on him from this game, at least from the highlights, like broadcast footage. <laughs> 
uh, was him breaking tackles and running away from people. It's pretty fun to watch. Generally, honestly. what I want my wide receivers to do. Yeah, <laughs> he was he was really good at it. I don't know that we've seen too many games over a hundred yards, regardless of position, uh, receiver or running back or tight end. This season, well, we saw we saw one. We saw one. We saw it live. I, I know. I'm saying we haven't seen too many. Uh, Eli Rogers added to that, though. 135 yards is a great day. And yeah. a touchdown on top of that, which was the Guardians' only touchdown. So. Yeah. <laughs> he even had a pass. He had a uh, – it was incomplete, but he had a pass. I think they lined up, like, in a, in a wildcat. I saw it, and I just kind of zoned out for a minute. I was expecting a double pass for the rest of the game, and I was like, no, they definitely lined up in Wildcat at one point, I'm pretty sure. He must have thrown it there. <laughs> Wait, if you blink, you missed it. I didn't get to see it on rewatching the highlights, or I would have taken a picture of that for this, too, because that's that's too fun. <laughs> and then on the uh, defensive side of the ball, we had Devontae Bosby. I'm probably butchering that a little bit. Three solo, three total tackles. for me. Devontae uh, Bussy. <laughs> what? God damn it! <laughs> I <laughs> I wasn't ready. He recovered a fumble and scored a touchdown. Very yeah, good. this this uh, <laughs> game changer right here. He gets the game ball for sure because without him, I don't think they win this game. Yep. It's man, not not amazing numbers, but that touchdown was so key. And there were so many other players this week that I wanted to give them player of the game for having a key moment. But this one has such a massive impact on the score of the game, quite literally putting points on the board. Uh, this was kind of a no-brainer for us. We already mentioned uh, Arl- or, yeah, Arlington won by two points, 18-16. to 16. Uh, They were a two-point underdog going into this one. Everybody was super impressed by the Guardians, and why shouldn't they have been with the way Quentin Dormady played especially? Uh, and then the under of 42, and then this I mean, it, it didn't even – yeah, didn't even touch it. It's weird that this has happened twice to the Guardians now. Of course, last week was massive. You beat the best team in the league. You have a career game at really any level. Forget the fact that it's the best game in the XFL this year. That's an amazing game no matter what level you're at. I look back to, what, week two or three, we had Paxton Lynch as the player of the game for a losing Guardians team that – was very much getting their own way. This is twice now that they've had stellar performances from their quarterbacks followed up by absolute duds. It's yeah. I man. also think we in part did that because you're a big Paxton Lynch guy. <laughs> Probably. To be fair. To be fair. Either way, man, this is this is rough. This did eliminate the Guardians from playoff contention. It's amazing at one and six that they were still so alive in it. And Arlington is still not clinched a spot in the playoffs yet. And on the same side of the coin, or on the opposite side of the coin, uh, even though our next team. both things are true. Uh, (laughs) Same side and opposite side. The San Antonio Brahmas at 2-6 and still aren't eliminated from the playoffs. Right. Man, this. God. This was another game. I don't. This was another overtime game, second overtime game in XFL history. Both happened this weekend, and holy shit, it was so boring. I wish overtime had never been invented. Please let us go home. Just so much <laughs> of this game. This game. <laughs> this I game say kinda... that, and yet I, I will add uh, that first drive by San Antonio should have been a touchdown. Mm-hmm. And 
Oh man, he got tackled on like it's it that it's so that rough goal short. line defense, man. Yeah, and then they just kept driving it back. He was tackled so damn short of the goal line, and then like three plays later, they're six yards away from the end zone. It's Roughnecks do it almost every week, except yeah. for against the Battlehawks. Couldn't do it for them. It's or against the it defenders. Is, Weird how that happens. This is this is absolutely insane to me. I, this was one of those games like we had Jack Cohn coming back off an injury. We had Brandon Silver coming back off an injury. Both of these dudes just looked off as well. I mean, Luis Perez had the excuse that he was new to the offense and he looked okay. He had a fine game for his first game with his new team. But this was rough. This was rough yeah. quarterback play here. Some yeah. positives from the game, though. Face the mask reviews. Clinched. That's a yeah. positive. The Roughnecks clinched. There was a penalty review. There was a face mask review. I've seen this called at the NFL level because they don't review penal- or penalties at all anymore. Where Aaron Rodgers, it was who it happened to in particular, a fan just goes across his face mask and he turns his head, draws the penalty. They went back and reviewed it. They're like, yeah, I see him turn his head. I see the hand there. He said, but he's not grabbing. That's not a face mask. Yeah, love, love that. And I only mentioned, I'm sure it's happened to other people too. I do hate Aaron Rodgers. I don't think he's the only one that's done it. It's just the one that I remember seeing. I'm trying to be at least guessed. a little bit fair here. You so, we all know you hate Aaron Rodgers. How did we get to overtime, right? This game really, until the fourth quarter, was absolutely dominated by the Roughnecks. And really, let's be honest, it was more of a a battle in futility, right? Brandon Silvers throws an interception. Now, this was one of the rare cases this weekend where he wasn't off. He just kind of stared his receiver down a little bit, and the route gets jumped. Jacquez Patrick would would run the ball in after a couple plays, Three-point conversion, no good. Fourth and 15 try coming up for the Brahmas because they're still down three here. Illegal contact on the defense, automatic first down. Do a little bit of work, get in just barely field goal range, 49 yards out. They have to do a fire drill because they don't spike the ball to stop the clock. There's about, I want to say, 18 seconds left. Do the fire drill. Get John Parker Romo out there, and he nails a forty-eight or forty-nine-yard field goal. To they have a overtime. timeout on the board. That was from overtime. They didn't oh, okay. have a timeout. Okay, yeah. I was like sitting there, like, wait a minute, I'm looking at this. Like, they did. They did not have a timeout. I okay. don't understand okay. why they ha- need a timeout in overtime. By the way, but I feel like I remember seeing one called at some point as well. Even college does. Uh, <laughs> it's nice to have. Yeah, it is. It is. <laughs> But real quick, might as well do an overtime review here. Houston completely misses their receiver on their first attempt. I mean, it, was, it wasn't it was even in the same zip code. It was bad. Yeah. Uh, San Antonio could have won this game or at least taken a lead here. T.J. Vasher, T.J. Vasher catches the ball, <laughs> but landing on the ground, his hands are up like this, his feet hit the ground, and the ball just pops straight up and out. No good there. Like, actually, no, nah, I'm, I'm good. I don't want to catch anything today. Not like this is my job or anything. Right. We, t- <laughs> we talked about the, you know, earlier in the game, the Brahmas got stuffed, couldn't get into the end zone from a half yard out. 
on we talked about elimination. We talked about how the Vipers couldn't get in the end zone after an amazing pass and catch at the beginning of their overtime, and it looked like he got in. Houston had an opportunity like this, too. There was DPI on the first try, and then Cole McDonald tries to sneak it in, and he is stuffed at the line. No good. San Antonio has another chance to go ahead. Jack Cohn's hit as he throws. This ball is just a lame duck fluttering in the air. And it's almost picked off, but it's not. No good. Back to Houston. They just run a quick slant. McDonald to Burnett. That was the only score. And then Cone just trying to put the ball where only his receiver could get it. It just did not work out for him. Too high, too deep. That's the ball game on a pass that nobody was going to catch. Turns out very, ice cream is too generous and wants to be shared. Man, very, very rough loss for the Brahmas. You got to feel for them, especially losing such a – like coming back the way they did in the fourth quarter, honestly, to end up losing like that, that's that's pretty rough. However, yeah, they, in my this opinion, is, were the better team this week. Yeah, this is a picture of that opening drive. He, Patrick caught the ball behind the last scrimmage. Made a couple of nice moves, got hit at the three. The ball was down at the half yard line. It was oh. so freaking close. And with that score, that's another at least three points on the board for San Antonio. Yep. Uh, if everything else held, that that would be all he models. I re- they had to review it to make sure he didn't get in. They called it a touchdown on the field, and I remember right. seeing it live. I was like, I think he – I don't think he quite made it in. And I think he got banged up on the play because I think he he was definitely out at some point during this game. I think this is when it was. They couldn't just give it to him to try and have him shove it in. It was brutal for them to not score a touchdown yeah. there. And I, I didn't get – I didn't get to watch this one live, and man, I was so into it. I was like, "Come on!" I knew they lost, but I was like, "Come on, San Antonio! Like, you got this. <laughs> right. You can do it. Come on!" No, even with getting banged up a little bit, even with this bad wreck of train wreck of a play happening to him, still ended up with almost 100 yards on the ground, 96 yards rushing, and a touchdown. The Brahmas' only touchdown of the game, I believe. Um. Four catches, 38 yards. This was one of them. I think this was his long out of the backfield. And, I mean, it's just a all-around solid game. Just shy. Just not close. You know, just far away. I don't know. It was, it was like, right there for him. It's so heartbreaking. It's painful. <laughs> it's so painful. And the plus side is they are still very much – in contention to go to the playoffs, which is a wild thing to say. Houston did clinch, like we mentioned, and part of that is the play of their defense. Mm -hmm. Devontae Beckett, our defensive player of the game, he's coming out of Houston as a defensive end. Four solo tackles, 14 total, and one TFL. Yeah, and only one tackle behind the line of scrimmage, but he was doing this all day, jumping up, getting in ice cream's face, you know, Blocking them shots. <laughs> I'm gonna make it happen. It has I to know, happen. I know. It's too good. <laughs> but Devontae Beckett was all over the place. Um, I did feel like they were a little bit generous with a couple of those assisted tackles. 
Mm-hmm. But still a really good performance. <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't give it to Trayvon Mason, honestly. Uh, yeah. Big man pick. I got to say, though, getting chased down by Jack Cohen, and that's why you didn't get a pick six. It's a tough look, man. It's a tough yeah. look. I know you're a big dude, but you can't be letting the quarterback take you down at the end there. I mean, big man touchdown would have done it. Easy. <laughs> big, right. Big man had to stop for ice cream. That's <laughs> <laughs> perfect. Oh. <laughs> Houston won 17 to 15. San Antonio did not allow them to cover, though. They're six and a half point underdogs. Obviously, taking this one to overtime and losing by two means that Houston didn't cover. And the under hit again, 38 and a half points was the money line there. Our final game of the weekend. The over hit? The, the over actually hit. Shocking. 34 to 33. We'll just get the score out of the way right here. This one very close to going into overtime itself. DC did not cover the one and a half point spread and the over of 45.5 hit. Say something nice about DC. Man, I'll tell you what. (laughs) Back to back weeks, they had the best game of the weekend. Was that DC favored? Because the way it looks they, like it is that DC was the one and a half underdog. They were the one so and a half hit. underdog. So DC did cover. That's correct. I read that backwards. Yep. yep. Uh, yeah. Also, I think a big part of that, number one, this is in Seattle, mm-hmm. which is across the entire fucking country, if you were unaware. Um, also, the Sea Dragons just picked up Philip Lindsay, who had a couple of fantastic seasons in the NFL. He was the Not first ever undra- the first ever undrafted rookie to make the Pro Bowl. And uh he made his first appearance for the Sea Dragons in this game. Scored it, their first touchdown and didn't do anything else other than that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll tell he you had what, like though. 30 yards and a touchdown. So good job, but you got to Gotta learn the playbook there, bud. Let's go. <laughs> turnovers, turnovers, turnovers. It's been a story all weekend. Yeah. We're gonna talk more about it. I, I'm telling you, this is gonna be a theme of the show today, unfortunately. This game was all about turnovers. Right? DC had all <laughs> had all the momentum, right? They were up twenty-four to six. You're yeah. thinking, man. They are taking this one, and they're not they're, – they're pissed after last week. That's what I was thinking. I was like, they're fucking everybody up right now. It was 22 to 6, but yeah. 22? I can't do math. Yeah, 8 plus 8 plus 6. Math is hard. 16 plus 6. Yeah, 22. Yeah. They were trying to go up 24 to 6. Right. They were trying. But on the two-point conversion, there was a fumble recovered by Seattle and taken back for two of their own. And we got clarification on this. We were confused. Whatever you're going for, if it's if there's a turnover and it's taken to the house, the That's defense gets that get. amount of points. Yes. I like it. Cool. So if it would have been a three, they'd have gotten three and one, they'd have gotten one. Here's what's crazy about this play, though. There was an inadvertent whistle, which Dean Blandino said nobody was near the play. There was a clear recovery before the whistle. Nobody was near to make a stop. We're going to let it stand, which 
I agree with and I love, but man, that's painful that a referee right. fucked that one up. Right. This is okay. how much it changed. Agreed. Like, this is how much it changed the game. It's the biggest sin for for referees right there is let the play go. Yep. Gotta let it go. Seattle will then get, get off a touchdown. Your knees, oh. refs, you're blowing the game. Seattle will then get a touchdown of their own. And then another head scratcher for me. They only go for one. They go for two. That's this is a tie and goes to overtime. They go for three. They win by one. And this is the team known for going for three at like exactly. all times. Exactly. They then stop DC on the ensuing drive, but unfortunately would throw a pick in the red zone that would kind of put the game back on even footing. After that, it was really a last score wins type of game. Right. And Seattle did actually score the last touchdown. They went for the win versus going for the tie, which I like at home. I like going for the win at home. Me too. But man, you go for a two-point conversion, you go for a three-point conversion, you put yourself in a comfortable position after you score that final touchdown, and you don't have to do all the crazy things they did. They had to go for the fourth and 15. Michael Joseph breaks up the pass on that. He's always finding his way into these big play situations. I don't understand why people aren't keying in on where Michael Joseph is and not throwing that direction, but it happened again. It makes sense to me, but... It happened again. One or, two, one or two of the biggest plays of the game. Still wasn't enough to win him defensive player of the game others. He got fucking burnt a couple times, and that's why it wasn't enough yes. to get him defensive player of the game. He looked very bad a couple times. And actually, both players of the game here are Sea Dragons. I know they lost, but both of the best individual performances came from Seattle. Jawan Green, seven catches, 142 yards. I was just hyping up 135 yards a minute ago. This is seven <laughs> more than that on three fewer catches. And I also had two touchdowns. Yep. Whole extra ass points from this Here's man. Both his touchdowns. We talk about first contact being something you talk about with a running back. First contact is something you can apply to Dewan Jones in this game because he got hit. He had guys trying to wrap him up. Didn't matter. He. The first guy there did not tackle him. It felt like all day, and especially on his two touchdowns. He he, he just had that mindset. He said, I'm getting in the end zone. I'm changing this game. Love that mindset. Was, That's what you want out of all of your offensive players. It was fun as hell to watch. On defense, Quinterio Cole, safety for Seattle, who we've called out in the past for having some pretty awesome games for Seattle, uh, had another pretty good one. Eight total tackles two behind the line of scrimmage, and he forced a fumble. Unfortunately, I couldn't get a clear enough picture of when he forced that fumble, so this is kind of him celebrating when the teammate got a TFL. But <laughs> <Good> enough. <laughs> yeah, number 32 there. He, he comes in from the backfield, way in the backfield, and damn, he just finds ways to make plays. Absolutely, and it, it... Man, this was another one where either team could have won this game and it would have felt right. It also would have made things extremely interesting in the North Division. However, it's not the case with the defenders sitting at 7-1. and one. They have finally yep. clinched their place in the playoffs. And the Sea Dragons oh, currently, <laughs> yeah, for the first time in a while, 
are on the outside looking in. They've been keeping yep. pace with St. Louis. Don't you worry. Next week, it's going to be very, very interesting. There's there's a lot of stuff going on next week that's going to be extremely interesting. Stay tuned. Does Seattle see me dragging the defenders into the playoffs? Oh. Oh. <laughs> I think you went too far with that one. Nope. I just went just far enough. Unlike Jacobus Patrick, who did not go far enough. (laughs) 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 While Doug's sitting here dying, I'm going to go ahead and say I had my best week in the Pick'em League, and I'm trying to work my way back up into into first place for the first time. So not back, but for the first time. Yeah, um, back into a place you've never been before. Real, yeah, 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 yeah. Brilliant, brilliant stuff. Look, I gained 90 points in positioning, okay? Congrats. Last week oh, I got literally gosh. zero points and you couldn't catch me, so <laughs> suck it. Hey, I only got 200 <laughs> points last week, okay? This is a good week for me. And I got fucking zero. This is a good week for me, so. <laughs> and this is just the normal that I'm having now because yeah and I know what's going to happen the last week of the regular season you're going to hit the parlay on all eight picks or whatever (laughs) and you're going to go ahead by no shot you're going to go ahead by like 5k by the end of the season I guarantee it I'm not I'm I'm good I'm not that fucking (laughs) I'm not that fucking good All All right. He'll hit. It'll be a seventeen parlay, and he will actually have had the eighth correct as well. Yeah, yeah. He'll actually catapult to top of the nation for this and win some kind of bullshit prize. Get tickets to the XFL championship game or something. Wild. I mean, I'd I'd take that. I don't. You know, <laughs> I'm not opposed. I wouldn't to that. be mad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what? What? You want me to turn that down? Uh, Come on now. No, I just want to beat you something for once that's what i want you beat me in bowl mania i did not you came back two oh i couldn't row. i couldn't pass tug that's what it was <laughs> i knew i didn't win uh, anyway oh man <laughs> dude i i almost don't want to get to this segment like this i i've, I've enjoyed doing the bug I've enjoyed picking the bad, the ugly, the good every week. This is, I'm nervous about this, all right? The bad, I'm not nervous about. And I actually kind of went back and forth between the bad and the ugly, flip-flopping them. But the bad was just the offensive lines and not Brahma's Roughnecks game. Now, the Roughnecks have had the best defense, the best defensive line pretty much all year. The Brahma's have been right up there for best front seven in the league. But, oh, my God, the pass protection was horrible this week. Absolutely horrible. And then for the offense, as good as the run offense was for the Brahmas at times and as good as the run offense has been for the Roughnecks at times, when you need them the most, they couldn't create a hole and get into the end zone. I mean, this was was just a bad offensive line performance. You hate to see it. Because we do have some praise for some big men later on in the sh- in the uh, the segment here. If you're watching live on Twitch or later on YouTube, you you already know. You can already see it. Check us out. I will say I agree with your 
assessment here putting these offensive line at the bad because they have had routinely bad performances. Whereas you're ugly here. I know you're going to get into it. I'll give you a break and call you ugly once. You keep doing that though. And well, then we start well, looking at you in that not, category. Not just Quentin Dormady gets the ugly this week. He's yeah. the best representation He's, of the concept this week. He is the <laughs> embodiment turnovers, man. All right. First, first and foremost, like half over half of these turnovers were just poor possession of the ball, yeah. under throwing the wide receiver, under throwing, you know, just just bad throws, miscommunications. Like a majority of these turnovers were on the offense, and nobody embodies that better, unfortunately, than Quentin Normandy. I mean, you could not go from a higher high to a lower low, right? This was so bad of a game for him. And I kind of would be tempted to throw Orlando's offensive line in a bad as well. Because holy shit. I here's here's the other thing. We even had a couple special teams gaffes. Arlington yeah. muffed a punt, and that's what let like Yeah. Dude, this is just it's just it's angering you everywhere. It, it 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 was bad. Everything Stop about this dropping was bad. my baby sister, right? I I also want to say, unless it's we had it off to a big man, because yeah. that's acceptable. That's <laughs> expected, actually. We did that's have one mandated new rules. <laughs> we did have one quarterback, Mark Tianu, in St. Louis making his first start, and. Let's be real, he could have made he could have thrown probably two or three more picks with how off he was. But he's still in the ugly tier. Mm-hmm. We had one quarterback making his first start with his new team, Luis Perez. Also ugly tier. Give him a little bit of a break there. We had one guy coming off the best game of his life that he was never going to match. Uppercase ugly tier. Uppercase <laughs> ugly tier. Uppercase ugly tier, right there on the screen. We had a game where two quarterbacks were coming off of an injury to return. Man, it the writing was on the wall help. for this. Did, did really you just help cover injuries, all eight quarterbacks? No, the only two I didn't uh, touch were uh, Jordan Ta'amu and uh, Nucci. <laughs> yeah. Well, Cole McDonald, too. Cole McDonald yeah. did all right. No, I I've, I've, have heard – you, know, you said they were coming off of injuries. I have heard that it does help with injuries. What, fumbling? <laughs> going to the good. <laughs> going to the good. There were two interceptions this week. We'll start there where the big man absolutely made the play happen. Both times the ball got batted in the air. And this one, we talked about him a little bit earlier for the D.C. defenders. Uh, shit, lost his name. Oh, I should really write this stuff down. Big man, number 99, Joseph Wallace. He tipped the ball up to himself, almost took it to the house. Uh, he stopped tipped the ball no, this to himself was after it was already tipped at the line. I yeah. mean, they don't give him too much credit. He, yeah. he tipped it again. He kind of bobbled it. <laughs> More than he anything. big man caught the football. Yeah, he big man did. It was the San Antonio game where he 100% tipped it straight up to himself yes. and almost took it to the house. That's right. But then he had to stop Rice Cream. <laughs> then he had to stop Rice Cream. 
another thing I forgot to mention, tip drills this week were in high, high, yeah. high. That was uh, for, at you least know. one of Dormady's picks as well. One of Dormady's picks. And the touchdown that brought uh, Seattle within a point yeah. was also a tip ball. It bounced off of about two or three people's hands. Josh Gordon was in the back of the end zone, could knew he couldn't catch it, so he pushed the ball. I believe it was Jawan Green. Yes. Yeah, I believe it was Jawan Green that caught it. No, no, it wasn't him. <laughs> but I mean, it was <laughs> a tip drill, baby. Either Everybody way. always, always do the tip drill. But that's not what the other good thing about this week was. The good thing was overtime. Now, even as bad as we have talked about San Antonio and Houston's overtime game, and it was. It was pretty bad to watch. The rules, the flow, everything about it is just fantastic. It is quick. It gets a it gets to a decision, uh, and probably the most effective way I've seen for in football so far. That's fair. Yeah, I like the combination of it is basically a shootout, but also one mistake doesn't kill you. Where the NFL still has that problem sometimes, where one mistake ruins the entire game for you. It is still football. You know, you're allowed to have there's there's a reason you have four chances to make a first down, not just one. So it's let's give everybody a, a couple of shots here. It yeah. makes makes it to where both offenses see the field at minimum two times a piece, which is very cool. Yeah. We even saw I mean we saw penalties and how that affected things. We also saw a 25-yard three-point conversion converted this weekend. Yes. That was insane. Nuts. That was absolutely insane. It's There's a lot of really cool things about the rules of this league that make some of these, um, I guess, more niche and weird changes to the game. It makes them fit, right? Because I would not be in favor of this overtime in the NFL. I wouldn't even really be in favor of it in college. But with the fact that they already have a one, two, and three point point after system that doesn't involve kicking, I'm all for it. So it a whole lot of good coming out of seeing overtime and experiencing overtime this week in the XFL. No, I'm with you. That does, however, take us to the power rankings. The best part of the show. Let's be easily. Easily. Uh, no other way to get going but to just do it. We have to rip off the Band-Aid. The fucking Boston Bruins are potentially the best team in NHL history. They are number one in the power rankings for the XFL. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. The Boston Bruins. Um, I hate them as a concept. So, Tug, go ahead and explain why they should they deserve this spot in the XFL power rankings. <laughs> well, I mean, you already said it. They they have the most wins of any regular season team in NHL history. With my two opinion, to go, by the way. They've yeah, with two games eight. to go. Yeah. Um, in my opinion, they have the best goalie tandem in NHL history. They're efficient all the way around on their roster. And let's be honest, they could probably beat half these teams on an ice rink. Um, I don't know. 
they better beat at least half these teams on an ice rink. Jeez. <laughs> That'd be fun, though, playing two different sports at the same time on ice. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, uh, Doug, you got to say something nice about the Bruins that doesn't have to do with having the, them having the best season ever. Ooh. Um, one of the most iconic franchises in all sports. I've got to be real. Uh, to me, the Boston Bruins are one of those franchises synonymous with pro hockey. It's kind of I – don't, I don't know that there's another team I would think of first when I think of pro hockey. And that's a credit to the longevity of Dynasty, and I, I and can intentionally called it Dynasty because I think I think Happy gross. Gilmore has something to do with that. What do you? That's what do you think? possible too. <laughs> <laughs> it is possible. <clears throat> anyway, number two, uh, DC, the defenders rebounded after their wild loss to the Guardians. Came out with a one-point win over the Seattle Sea Dragons in Seattle to complete the sweep of the North, assuming they can beat Vipers again, which... Very we'll much see. in question. We'll yeah. see. Um, I expect they can, but we'll find out. Anyway, yeah, DC feels like they have the most playmakers across the board of anybody in this league. The reason they don't have too many guys stand out as players of the game sometimes, the ball gets distributed extremely well. And Tamu and Cole McDonald both play extremely well at quarterback. It's the first two quarterback systems I've ever seen legitimately look good. You mean Eric King? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You're right. And Derek King had to come in relief for a good bit this week. Jordan Tommy took some big shots, yeah. had to come out multiple times. And I feel like they kind of discredited King's throwing ability early in the season. They've let they him did. start passing the ball and slinging it around a little bit. And he's really showing a crazy amount of depth to this offense. Yes, yep. absolutely. And it's pretty scary once it gets going. 100%. Number two, I am going to stick with the St. Louis Battlehawks at two. And go ahead and jump to number four as well. Three. uh, Yeah, it's three technically. Uh, And Seattle here at four. I know Seattle just lost by one point to the defenders. And St. Louis hasn't been that close before. Uh, Let's be real. One possession games are one possession games. They kind of, you know, I don't know if you can exactly make a comparison and say, Oh, the the Sea Dragons are two points better than St. Louis because they they beat them. They only lost by one point instead of losing by three points. That's not how football works. Yeah. So, on a neutral field, I still feel like I would take St. Louis, assuming that AJ McCarron gets back into the game, gets back healthy, and uh, we'll see. If he's out for another week, I'm probably going to have to drop him on principle because. Without AJ McCarron, they might be like number six on this list instead yeah. of number three on this list. Well, and it, it did sound very much like uh, AJ McCarron was just out this week because they felt confident going against the Vipers. That confidence almost fucked them. I, I will say this too it's a killer that one of these two teams between St. Louis and Seattle is not going to be in the postseason. Right. 
and there's going to be teams at the bottom of the, this list that will be. Look, I'm just saying, if the XFL wanted to add two more teams, give the first team in each division a bye, and then have a 2-3 play in, I'd be down with that. I would as well. I'd be down with them doing it right now. That's just have saying. one team not make the playoffs. <laughs> right. Right. One team per uh, division. I also do strongly believe these are the three best teams in the league by a little bit. So number five is not the Houston Roughnecks anymore. It's Israel Adesanya, middleweight champion once again in the UFC. I have him at number five because I think he's pretty mid. I'm not going to lie. Repeat champion now, only lost two fights in his career. He's boring as fuck. I'm not into it. Middleweight champ, congratulations. He could beat my ass in a heartbeat. I would, before I could blink, I'd be knocked out. I yeah, but you're not fighting in his division. At the same time. He could still beat his ass. Let's, <laughs> let's just stop that right now. Right. Um, there are so many more middleweights in UFC history that are way more fun to watch. And I kind of don't like this era of middleweights in the UFC. Um, I grew up right when Anderson Silva was becoming a thing. Holy shit, was that fun. I missed the Rich Franklin era before Anderson Silva. Like, damn, that was some fun middleweight titles. Israel Adesanya is so mid. He is my number five. <laughs> I almost would have gone with Joe Rahm winning the Masters this weekend. But yeah, well, golf I, is golf I, is uh, 100% more boring than Israel, than Israel Adesanya fight. Yeah, and I wanted to make a clear tier separation between D.C., St. Louis, and Seattle, and then our number six team here, which is the Houston Roughnecks. They just clinched the playoffs. They are the fourth best team in the league. That sucks. <laughs> What's going to be even crazier is if the South somehow ends up winning the title this year. And they probably will, just like the MEAC and the SWAC. Oof. <laughs> <laughs> uh... Yeah, Houston is fine. They started off so good. I believed in them wholeheartedly the first four weeks of the season. Turns out they were playing the worst teams in the league. And they can only look good when they're playing against the rest of the South. Uh, Which is convenient because that's who they have the rest of this season. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. No, they got the Vipers next week. Yeah, they got the Vipers next week. I honestly would not be all that surprised if Vegas does pull off the upset. I do recognize that it is. It would be an upset, though, which is why I have Houston at six and Vegas at seven. Uh, I think they're pretty close now. Jalen McClendon has added a whole different dimension to this Vegas team. They have looked pretty solid for the last two weeks now. I know they're one and one in those games, but dang, I don't know if Houston can keep up with that kind of they, play from McClendon. They very easily could have won this week, too, and probably should have. Yes. Yes. So, makes for some problems of the power rankings, where I legitimately think they're probably maybe right now better than Houston. Maybe. I don't know that for sure. I kind of have to tip my cap to the one who clinched the playoffs already. We'll see next so week. We will, we will find out next week. In the meantime, number eight is Arlington. Have to put them back up a little bit. They are four and four. 
they are in a playoff spot. And I I feel like I'm breaking my own rules a little bit, but I'm almost giving them some credit for what I expect from them next week when Luis Perez has another week to get used to this offense because I feel like that team could be very scary. I, I don't think that's going to help them next week. Yeah. They're playing D.C. I mean, Orlando in D.C., so we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> in D.C., though. Orlando won at home, didn't they? Yes. I don't care. Let I mean, fair. <laughs> fair. Number nine is the San Antonio Brahmas. That leaves number 10 as the Orlando Guardians. I had to drop them all the way back down. I was so high on them after their one win. And uh, they decided not to do that anymore. <laughs> they were happy I, with that. I want to. I want to make the case for the Guardians, though, if you, if you will. Okay. As bad as this game was, where your best player from the week prior had just the absolute worst game ever, you still only lost by two points. You can't look me in the face and tell me they weren't the better team in this one. And it was really derailed by, unfortunately, one player. Okay, and San Antonio took a playoff team that we already know is in the playoffs to overtime and lost by two points as well. So what do I do with that? I take the team who has more wins at number nine and the team that fucked themselves in their own asses at number ten. The Roughnecks had not actually clinched. Until well, they, they have game. now, and we know this already, so my point stands. Why are y'all fighting me on this? This is my segment. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you letting us? I'm not trying to. Holy shit. <laughs> Boston Bruins number one. Let's get out of here. There's a lot of things left to be decided, though. There's still two playoff spots, one in each division up for grabs. This first game, Vegas can play spoiler and make, you know, kind of derail the Roughnecks even more because let's be real, they could have very easily lost last week. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's there's no there's no way around it. Either way, or, Houston is in the playoffs. Vegas is not. Orlando is also not in the playoffs, but the Brahmas are still in the hunt. And I got to say, this is going to make for a very interesting week nine and ten because Orlando has to go to San Antonio to try and play spoiler. Yep. If San Antonio wins, it makes Sunday's games that much more interesting. The first one that we've already alluded to quite a bit here Arlington against DC. This one. I, it, Arlington, I don't want to. I don't want to shit on this game like we did two weeks ago, right? right? We saw what happened there. Right. Arlington is or DC is by far the favorite. Arlington's not. They're kind of an afterthought in this. I would be shocked if they surprise DC at home. It is still possible. If they win, they're in. If they lose, week ten got very interesting. And then of course. I mean, what I was going to say to that, too, what makes this game even more interesting is the fact that Arlington is fighting for something. They're in control of their own destiny. D.C. has already clinched their spot. They're good. They're in. They're probably the number one seed. Um, but Arlington, actually, D.C. locked up the number one because they have two wins over both the Battlehawks and the, the Sea Dragons. So D.C. is the number one seed, period, not. They're good. Arlington is now fighting for that playoff spot, though, and I think that's going to carry a little more weight. That's the only reason this game could be interesting, though, exactly. is those psychological aspects of that, yep. what it does to the players' mentalities going into this game. On on paper, this is no contest. 100%. No, yeah. I agree. 
Yeah. The real game of the weekend. Seattle said headed to St. Louis. I know we just said that. It's going to be three great games, and this one's going to be a stinker. (laughs) (laughs) Probably. Probably, right? This game has – this is for the playoffs. I mean, that's that's all there is to it. This one is for the playoffs. This – do not miss this This game. This is a playoff game. Yeah. It really is because – even if Seattle wins, they have to win next week to even have a chance. I don't know how these tiebreakers work out, but for St. Louis, you put all that to rest. If you win, it's done. Yep. The, the North's playoff beating is set. I also don't know what the hell ESPN is thinking, putting this game on at 2 p.m. Eastern. This deserves the primetime slot if there ever was – or 3 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Central. This deserves the primetime slot if there ever was a time to have a primetime slot. The Agreed. issue is they had no flexibility in it, and this is just the times they had for this week of before the season even started. Just absolutely ridiculous. I me. agree with you. Don't get me wrong. But I really hope St. Louis gets back up in attendance figures. They have been sliding, not by much, but they have been sliding technically the last couple of games. This is a huge game. If you're in the St. Louis area, Show up for the Battle Hawks. This is massive. Not even going to lie to you. If I didn't already have plans, I would be looking for tickets right now to make the trip out there. Like, this is... Yeah. Do it. Fuck your plans. (laughs) This is your call to adventure, bug. It looks like that might be part of his plans. Uh, (laughs) I got time to head out to this game and come back in time for work Monday. As oh, my God. You ready. absolutely do. Return the favor. Buy me some tickets. <laughs> we'll see. Okay. <laughs> this is not the only or league going on. Set. <laughs> <laughs> this is not the only league going on this weekend, though. That is right. We have the return of the USFL. We're going to try and cover it. It is definitely going to be much lighter on the USFL, at least these first couple weeks. Probably around week five, we'll get more into it. Uh, But, man, these first four weeks, come on, they're going up against the XFL. At least this week and next week, it's going to be very hard to to do both. We're going to to give it a go. And we want to make sure we pass along the information of what to watch and where to find them to you all as well. Starting out the weekend, returning to Memphis. We have the Philadelphia Stars taking on the Memphis Showboats, who just named their mascot, by the way. Check out our Discord uh, if you haven't uh, seen the results. Or you can check out the Showboats Twitter or Facebook. It's there as well, but our Discord's a better place. Our Discord, I, yes. I approve. Yeah. Our Discord's a better place to uh, to check it out. This game's taking place at 3.30 p.m. Central Time, so 4.30 Eastern in Memphis, Tennessee at the Liberty Bowl. I'm not calling it by its new name. It's bullshit. I'm the so other... glad this isn't just in Birmingham this year. Yes. Right. Which is where the second game of the weekend is on Saturday at 6.30 Central or 7.30 Eastern. I'm in Central time. All these times populated in Central. Uh, it's the New Jersey Generals taking on the Birmingham Stallions. This one at Protective Stadium down there in Birmingham. I don't know if they're going to be using the Iron Bowl as much this year, if they're going to be using it at all. If it's still even there, I haven't really looked. Uh, 
but Protective Stadium is a much better facility, so kudos. Agreed. Moving and on. Remember, to... remember, the New Jersey Generals won the championship last year, right? And it might be a fantastic game. This is the best attended team last year for the USFL in Birmingham. And the best we're, we're overall. It fits kind of if you really <laughs> think about it. And then on Sunday, we have two more games. This one. This one's be... on the cock. Let me let me backtrack here. Both of the games on Saturday you can be able to watch on Fox. I forgot that this is this is weird. I'm gonna have a hard time rewatching any of these games because I haven't found how they're gonna be if they're all gonna be rewatchable like the XFL, which gives the XFL a bit of a leg up in my opinion. But the ratings say otherwise. Apparently that's a thing. Apparently that's important. It, it, it is to the TV markets. It is to the TV markets. Yeah. Well, the first one on Sunday is on the cock. On the cock and on NBC. At 11 a.m. Central or noon Eastern, we have the Michigan Panthers taking on the Houston Gamblers, who are also calling beautiful, lovely Memphis, Tennessee home, where no hood rat shit ever happens. Yes. I, I got to take a second before I tell, talk about this next game. I've seen three different videos at three different places in Memphis of dudes just hanging out the side of their car with AR-15s and fucking doing donuts in the middle of the road. Busy intersection. Just, nope, we're going to do donuts over here. Multiple cars at once. Just... Beautiful. At least they're only doing donuts. It could be a lot worse. Nobody, yes, I did not see a video <laughs> of anybody shooting a gun out while doing this, uh, but I feel like that might be the next step. So if you go to Memphis, stay safe. And I do legitimately mean that. I'm not joking this time. What does the uh, USFL have against these teams playing at home? Houston this has is, proved that it can support a team. So this is part of their agreement. Yeah, this is part of their expansion. So last year they did it to have everybody centralized. The league has been made for TV. There's a lot of reasons why yeah. the USFL, a lot of people are saying, is more successful than the XFL, despite the fact that the XFL is not through their first season. The USFL had great TV ratings. It was made for TV. There are a lot of things. A lot of things about the league are centered around making sure the product looks good to the viewer at home. This is just kind of the first step in expansion, because New Orleans, who host Pittsburgh, the Maulers are also playing in Birmingham at Protective Stadium. You can catch that one on FS1, 5.30 Central, 6.30 p.m. Eastern. The thing about it is, like, it's going to be rough. I don't expect attendance to either of those games to be good. I'm going, I'm interested to see what the attendance for the Showboats game is going to be. I think there's a lot of people excited to have pro football back in Memphis, but I also think a lot of pro football fans in Memphis have been burned by pro football too many times now. The USFL left, the Titans left and went to Nashville, the XFL left and has not come back, and the AAF folded. Nothing has gone well when pro football has been in Memphis. If they show up to support the showboats, that's awesome. Don't count on them showing up to support the gamblers or check out the gamblers playing the Panthers in general. As I'm looking at this, we're going to get a real good feel of who wants to watch what in terms of TV ratings based on the fact that on Sunday, the Renegades at DC is at the exact same time that the Panthers are taking on the Gamblers. And here's the other thing: I, again, I'm not. I don't play into the whole TV rating things too much. I enjoy what I enjoy, and I understand that TV ratings are important to sustain a league and keep it alive. That's all the USFL games this weekend, by the way. I understand all of that. 
But I wonder, too, with every game being live on ESPN+, Plus, how much that actually affects ratings. I still don't think we found a efficient or correct, correct, an efficient or correct way to see how many people are watching through streaming. That's what I'm more interested in right now, too, honestly. And like, like I said, be way easier than pulling the old school Nielsen ratings. These companies should be able to report that directly. Like, hey, I had this think. many viewers log in for this time. Yeah, but they don't want to do that in case yeah. their streaming numbers go poorly and they don't want to have to report bad numbers, too. I, yeah, no, I get that. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think we're going to see a couple of big choices. Like you said, I'm not watching Houston and the the M-word Panthers going up against each other in Memphis instead of watching Arlington, D.C. Like, I'm absolutely watching the XFL over that. At the same time, I would much rather watch the New Jersey Generals and Birmingham Stallions than be watching the Orlando Guardians and San Antonio Browns. Yes, 100%. So, <laughs> so yeah. I feel like both of those things are going to be true this weekend, and we'll see where the chips fall and the rest of everything as it happens. Yeah. It's going to be interesting for sure. I'm excited to see... There's a lot of people that want to make this like a battle of back and forth between the two leagues, but I just want to see both of these succeed, honestly. Okay, and I think what I would love to see now that you're saying it that way, because I agree with you. And I know we're a long way away from this, but long term, give us the merger. Give us a second wannabe bowl. Like same way the AFC and NFC once combined into one league. We could do that again here with these two if they keep this momentum. Yeah, and I don't want to spend a ton of time playing hypotheticals here, but I would want the XFL rules over the USFL rules, honestly. Yeah, that's and right. I, I do think, too, though, that expansion for both leagues, I think, is very much in consideration. I think if you're going to go with a merger, too, I think the XFL is going to be the one that wins out the merger, even though their product might be worse, just because of the partnership with the NFL. Yeah. But you take the XFL rules, you put the USFL production behind it, and you actually have a sustainable league. Another thing to consider with this kind of interesting point that I don't know how much this is actually going to play into, like, the dynamic you're talking about. This is really a battle of ESPN versus Fox in how they do business and where they choose to do business and the level of product that they produce. Like, Fox owns the USFL. It's like mm-hmm. pretty much straight up. Yep. I think it's a huge percentage, well over 50%. Fox just straight out owns the USFL. And they do, which Fox made the whole the direct agreement with ESPN. It made the entire uh, Discord debacle that much more jarring, which yeah. if you don't know what I'm talking about, Go check out Ooh. our Discord where we talked about it. And we talked about, yeah, you got to scroll back a bit, but it got <laughs> it got fucking wild. And apparently, this happened to multiple Fox Show Discords, like the yeah. Mass Singer Discord got fucked up, and another one as well. Crypto's crazy, man. Crypto is absolutely yeah. crazy. Anywho, <laughs> so all right, so that's enough about spring leagues. We got all this out of our system. It's been over an hour talking about this nonsense. Let's get back to some real football. We've got the NFL draft coming up, boys. Yes. We've got a whole other 
got a whole other mock draft this week. Um, so this is this is going to be a wild one, and we're going to have to discuss some of the rules in detail on next show because we're doing some wild wild shit here. Stay the wild wild west. <laughs> Stay tuned, everybody, because the big dudes in the trenches got some I, action for you. I hear the franchise owners uh, have turned on trades for this draft. Just gonna make it even more interesting than it has been. Yes, and salary cap is off. Everybody Hell yeah! Because <laughs> it's all made up anyway, according to Bug. It it is. Show me that. <laughs> give me proof that it's not. Show me one team that's been penalized for going over it in the past twenty years. Um. Doug, yep. Doug might have something for you, but he yep. doesn't want to disprove it. No, actually, I don't have anything for you. I think the closest thing you have is what's happening to the Rams and Buccaneers like this year when their entire team's falling apart because they way overspent on trying to get one ring, and it worked for them. So that wasn't a penalty. Was it? Yeah, was it really bad? I mean, no, it worked. They did exactly what they set out to do by sucking yeah. these couple of years in favor of winning a ring previously. Odell signed with the Ravens. You think that's going to convince Lamar to stay? I mean, would he have signed if Lamar weren't staying? It's a great question, too. We'll find out. Also, he's getting paid $18 fucking million dollars for one year with the Ravens. What the fuck? After tearing an ACL in the Super Bowl. Jeez. On turf, which, by the way, the Ravens have at home, too. There's, like, paid, Wild. like, a top 15 receiver in the league. Hasn't touched a field in forever. Wild. But it's only a one-year contract, so, you know, it's okay. Yeah. It's probably, like, 40 cents guaranteed just no, to, you know, get a work around the cap. It's it's fully guaranteed. That's the best part. Yeah, fully guaranteed. <laughs> well, it's fully <laughs> guaranteed to not count against the count. Oh, yeah, because thirteen million of it is a signing bonus, which for yeah. some reason doesn't count against the cap. Right. But it's not <laughs> fucking real. Oh my god. <laughs> but it's not salary. It's but a bonus. All, all I'm saying. Well, why is should it count against he, the salary cap? But it's he not signed salary. a Bettman contract at like 1.3 million, fully guaranteed. <laughs> it got 13 million in bonus. Okay. Yeah, that's so. And I'm not. Great. I'm not kidding. Those are like the actual terms of the deal. So anyway, we'll have a mock draft Thursday, and it's going to be some crazy rules. We're going to get into it, and it's going to spill over into the next week as well. So stay tuned, folks, because this is going to be a wild wrap-up to draft coverage season. We've gone through basically every single draft prospect you can think of, and there will still be others that who get drafted that we didn't talk about because that's how the draft works and the NFL finds people. I don't know. But, we covered 300 people. If we're drafting that, people we haven't talked about, like... Yeah, it will happen. So... <laughs> um. Probably going to be some special teamers that we didn't talk about because we hate them or some shit like that. Fuck kickers. Anyway. <laughs> Calm <laughs> down. Calm down, Urban Meyer, all right? Damn, you, you keep really calling me that. It's like the only... really upset that the Ohio State kicker missed his last kick this season. Wow. <laughs> Wow, you had to go there, huh? Well, this is the only thing. He used to not hate kickers this much, and now he does. Oh, he completely Damn. left. Damn. You definitely have to read the links now. 
Well, yeah, I was going to anyway. I didn't expect him to leave. Damn. Oh, I'm waiting for him to scroll back across. You know, it's just how I'm written down in a notepad somewhere. I, I do, but, you know, it's easier this way. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you uh, for watching or listening. Our links are here. Uh, scrolling below if you're watching, patreon.com slash football, twitter.com slash football, facebook.com slash football, instagram.com slash BDT underscore football, bdtfootball.com, mailbox at bdtfootball.com, youtube.com slash at big dudes in the trenches, and our Discord link. I'm not reading it out. It'll be tagged in the description below. Oh? Oh? Thanks. I really appreciate it. Thanks, bud. Thanks. Thanks for coming back. Are you okay? Hey, I need Are... I need you. I need you back for this. Are you, hey, Are you okay? Did you know? Did you know that jellyfish don't have brains? I did. Yeah. 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 Of course you did. Because you know you know what go away. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are going off the tracks here. Thank you for watching and or listening. And just remember, you can't win a game if you can't win a game.